Get your scalpels ready because it's time to dissect some dragons. Welcome to the Dragon Dissected, where we discuss the Wheel of Time series and all things fantasy. I'm Taylor, and this is my co-host, Jake Stoll. Hi, guys. Over the past week, Taylor and I read chapters 25 to 30 of The Eye of the World, the first book in the Wheel of Time series. Taylor, what did you think overall of um, these six chapters? <clears throat> this was a really interesting set of chapters because I feel like we didn't do much, but we learned a lot. And that's fun. I know we're going to get to it pretty soon, but I am super obsessed with the traveling people. I, mm. I want nothing but good things for them. They're genuinely just wonderful humans. So I'm excited to talk about them. But I, I like this set of chapters. What about you? What do you think? I enjoyed it a lot. I think um, they were very fun. Mm -hmm. So we get some really crazy action in yep. like a couple different ways. There's some really interesting lore and we are really getting discover a getting to discover a lot of interesting things about the world. Totally. So I don't know. Overall, I had a lot of fun with it. There were a couple chapters that I was reading and I just wanted more. Like it was my favorite kind of fantasy where it's there's there's interesting action and, mm -hmm. you know, fast paced stuff happening. Mm -hmm. And and it wasn't just we're running away from stuff or things this time, but there's a lot of that. I don't know. No, there I, was some running. There was a good amount of running. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll get to it. But the um, <clears throat> the whole Ravens chapter, I really enjoyed, even <clears throat> though it's so scary and anxiety provoking. I really liked it. And disturbing. Like, I feel like that entire and we'll get to it soon, but that entire area of the chapters are like. Th those are the moments that really separate the kid fantasy from the adult fantasy. Like in yep. kid fantasy, you would never get ravens picking apart a living creature to like its bare bloody bones and just like leaving it in like tatters on the ground. You would never get that. In adult fantasy, anything's on the table. You throw whatever you want against the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. And in some Literally. ways, some <laughs> ways it's, uh, yeah, you can make it as scary and <laughs> creepy as you want. Mm -hmm. um, and a, a whole swarm of evil ravens. In D&D, it's generally not a big problem for the characters fighting them. But in uh, when you actually think about putting yourself in that situation, which is kind of what mm -hmm. Robert Jordan does. Um, yeah, it's it's real scary. Yeah. Also, Taylor, any uh, personal updates for us on just how's life? This has been a really crazy last month for me and Nolan. So we've had just tons and tons of things happening. My brother-in-law got married, which was super, super exciting. Woo -woo. Woo -woo. Um, that same brother-in-law is graduating from university this weekend. So we're going to that. And then my other brother-in-law is graduating from his university all the way over in Scotland next weekend. Yeah, so lots of lots of big life changes happening in our family, which congratulations to both those brothers. I'm so proud of you, but man, you guys got a lot of stuff going on. What about you? Well, on a, a couple I got some things going on on a couple different fronts. Okay. So, it's my son's birthday tomorrow. Woohoo. Nathan turns 2. Happy, happy, happy birthday. No, no, don't don't stuff in my account. <clears throat> yeah, you want to hear the whole song. I'm just going <laughs> to sit here and sing it for the, the poor listeners. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday, Nate. Daddy loves you. He turns two tomorrow. Oh, sweet boy. I know. Today, when I got home from work, mm -hmm. he came up and said, Daddy, I missed you. Oh, 
Stop. <laughs> it just melted my heart. <laughs> yeah. All of you, most of you listeners have not ever seen Nate. So let me just paint you a picture. He literally is, he's a very small child. Not small as in like tiny, like, like, like tiny and weak. He's just, you know, he's, he's two. And he has like super white blonde hair with blue eyes. And he literally is the sweetest boy ever. Like says hi to everyone, has to give everyone knuckles or Mm -hmm. like blow everyone a kiss. He's like the sweetest little boy. And he looks exactly like both of his parents. Identical. Yep. Yep. Especially his mom, which is a good thing. Um, And uh, yeah, he's a little, he's a little sweetheart. So yeah, we're, uh, we're going to be celebrating his birthday, taking him to Disneyland next week. Oh, the dream. So it should be fun. So that's what's going on with me. And then on another front, um, the Lord of the Rings magic cards pre-release is this Friday. Nice. So your boy has been preparing heavily. A lot of YouTube videos. I was going to say, what does preparing look like? Like preparing to buy them? Like what what does that mean? It's just all the cards are revealed online. So you can go like look them up now. So just been kind of like doing a little bit of my homework and what like color combos do I like? And who are some of the cool cards and, you know, cards that I hope I open. So pretty cool. There's a there's a few real cool Aragorn cards. <clears throat> Aragorn's uh real cool anyway. So I feel like any card with him on it is 10 out of 10. Yeah, 10 out of 10. And I'm really hoping I open a couple of copies of Second Breakfast. Oh yeah. Which is oh, yeah. definitely the most memeable card in the set. No, I feel like um the potatoes is the meme. That, that <laughs> that's is true. Just... They didn't they didn't put that in the set, unfortunately. Honestly, no, that's they, a shame. They did actually. They have one that's of that scene and it, it's called like Mash of... and boil them sticking in my stew. <laughs> no, because no, the set's more based on the books, so it's not necessarily the, the lines they use in the movies. Missed opportunity. I know. <laughs> but they have one that's called like of roast rabbit and carrots or something which is i think like the chapter in the book that that scene is from and it's like a whole thing where you get like a food and then it's it's like a picture of sam hitting Gollum with a pan frying pan oh yeah those pans were special i don't know why you would waste it on Gollum's nasty head Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah he, he real gross i'm also re-watching the lord of the rings movies right now in preparation for this oh nice so i'm like halfway through the two towers because i've been having to like watch it in like bits and pieces and a uh, real hot take they're good movies real hot take fellowship's the best one. Ooh, hotter take it's probably my least favorite one now oh devastating that's literally the best one like hands down i think most fans would agree that fellowship's the best one i don't know fans back me up <laughs> i don't know guys yeah write in what's your favorite lord of the rings book and or movie um or you like the hobbit Probably don't like the movies, but um, if you do, that's great. I'm happy for you. Um, I didn't like them, uh, but I do love that book. Yeah, the book is the book is really, really, really good. I like actually the Hobbit book more than I like any of the Lord. Yeah, I think I enjoy reading the Hobbit the most, even though Lord of the Rings is so epic. And it's kind of apples to oranges a little bit. Um, anyway, I did just I forgot there's there's some scenes in the two towers that I forgot about. Like I just watched the scene where Gandalf undoes the curse that Sauron has on King Theoden of Rohan. Oh yeah, so he, epic. He comes in and then just has this like battle of wills and magic with Sauron and then like strikes him out of Theoden and it's just it's so like epic. It's such a great fantasy moment. Ian McKellen just does such a good job going from like crippled old man to like total boss cuz like literally when they walk in they make them take all their weapons off and then Gandalf like hobbles and he's like, you're going to take an old man's staff. 
Well, joke's on you. You should have taken the old man's staff because he's a yep. baller. And Grima Wormtongue knew it. And he knew oh, yeah. he was screwed because you don't mess with Gandalf. Especially not his staff. Super cool. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, speaking of staffs, why don't we uh, jump in? <laughs> Sounds good. I don't, I don't think know there how are that- any staffs in this set of chapters, but I feel like no better time like the present to talk about it. Moraine does have a wizard staff. She's only one chapter and for a very short amount of time. Yeah, so. totally. So, yeah, let's get into the summaries. We'll jump over to chapter 25, the traveling people. So <clears throat> the best people, honestly, nothing but good in the world. Taylor loves these. I love the traveling these people. tinkers. <laughs> So Perrin and Egwene travel with Elias and the wolf pack, and they feel uneasy the whole way. Perrin continues to sense the wolves, always aware of where they are, what they're doing, and why. At night, wolves guard his dreams. Since being around the wolves, he hasn't dreamed of the Dark One. They soon uh, encounter some big mastiffs on the road, which are guard dogs that bark at them. Elias quiets them with a gesture, and they soon become fast friends. Elias is pretty good with, you know, canines. Mm Mm-hmm. They go with the dogs to their masters, the Tinkers, who are otherwise known as the traveling people. They are welcomed by the Tinkers, though they are cautious around Elias, the Tinkers are. The group's leader is known as the Seeker, and the Mm -hmm. Seeker's wife feeds them dinner while they sit around the warm fire. The Seeker's grandson flirts with Egwene, and she agrees to have dinner with the boy's parents and dance with him. Elias and Perrin are told about the people of the Aeol Wastes, where women can choose to be warriors along with the men. This is kind of a story they're getting around the campfire. A group of tinkers recently came upon a group of dead female Aiel men, which is a cool name, Mm -hmm. along with thrice that number of dead Trollocs. One woman was barely alive, and she warned the tinkers that the Dark One plans to kill the Great Serpent and blind the eye of the world. Not at all mystic. Definitely must be loyal. Yep. Elias brushes this off as nonsense, saying killing the Great Serpent would stop the Wheel of Time and end time itself. Egwene returns from her dancing, and she and Perrin have a moment, and she asks him to promise her the others are alive. That was chapter 25. All right. A couple things with this chapter. Does this group remind you at all of the Adimaru that Gulf is a part of? His family? Yes. Yeah, definitely. I they they seem somewhat less musical than I don't know, man. Dimaru, but Karen literally says then when they walked into their camp, everyone was singing and dancing. Yeah. OK. Yeah, they are kind of that. But they're not performers like the Adimaru, which is what their whole deal is like, is that they move That's around right. and perform, whereas like the Tinkers are more. Yeah, the tinkers. Di- the Dimaru, mm. Is it Dimaru? I can't remember what you say. Adimaru. Uh, the Adim- yeah, the Adimaru are more. um they remind me more of like a traveling circus. Yeah. Where these tinkers, like that's their thing. They're called tinkers because they also like travel around and kind of make a living fixing stuff for people. They're kind of an offshoot of the uh, Romani. Yeah. So they, they remind me of the Romani, which if um, you're unfamiliar, that is the um, accurate term for what was formerly known as gypsy. Uh, we do not use that term anymore. They are now the Romani. Yeah, that that's kind of their their vibe is that they kind of have, you know, they're they're the traveling people. And what I really love about this group of people is that they are all super pacifist, but they're all I love. I just this entire time I was reading this, I had like just such a heart for this group of people because people, of course, are prejudiced against them. But that doesn't stop them from just being like genuinely kind and Mm -hmm. 
loving towards anything and everyone. There's a quote where they talk about the the leaf, the way of the leaf, which I'm I'm not necessarily a pacifist, but I, I do like this. And I, I think that it's a good way to live your life. And in my book, it's on page three or 380, but it's in the chapter, The Traveling People. Um, at this point, Rain is explaining why. Rain is, Rain is the seeker. He's the Rain leader, the seeker, the leader yeah. of this group. He's talking about the leaf. And he says, you know, Perrin asks, like, well, would you hurt someone if they did violence to you? And, and Rain says, I would not. But violence harms the one who does it as much as the one who received it. Perrin looked doubtful. You could cut down a tree with your axe, Rain said. And the axe does violence to the tree and escapes on um the axe does violence to the tree and escapes unharmed. Is that how you see it? Wood is soft compared to steel, but the steel but the sharp steel is dulled as it chops, and the sap of the tree will rust and pit it. The mighty axe does violence to the helpless tree and is harmed by it. So it is with men, though it is the harm of the spirit. I love this because I think he perfectly is is describing like the concept of like hurt people hurt people like when you are looking to do violence and you're looking to harm others like it really just does damage to your soul and there's a lot of like traditional sayings like you know bitterness is like or anger or whatever like whatever enter your word is like drinking poison and expecting your enemy to die like that's what violence does and i I really nothing but good for the traveling people love them love them (laughs) Yeah, I love it. It's like it's the proverb of um, if you should seek revenge, first dig two graves. Yeah. 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 It was great. Yeah, I do. I do. I do love it. I really vibe with it. I, I left that out of the summary, but I knew we would talk about about that. The the way of the leaf is their mm-hmm. big thing. They're they're like extreme pacifists. Yeah. And never going to never going to harm anybody. Yeah. Again, we're seeing some of the prejudice that the that uh, this world is just kind of has prejudice just all over it all over the place like against the Aes Sedai and now against the tinkers and Mm -hmm. you know everyone is just so uncomfortable with everyone and like that's just a really interesting thing because i feel like when you have a being like the dark one that is looking to penetrate someone's mind and someone's thoughts like the best way to keep people from coming together is through dissension and prejudice and Yep. That's like seems like a very common deal here is that every everywhere we turn in this in this world, someone's prejudiced against someone else. Mm-hmm. The only group we all should be prejudiced against prejudice against are the children of the light, because those guys are all assholes and everybody yeah, hates they, them. <laughs> they, seem like, they seem like they really suck. Yeah. Everyone, we should all band together and destroy them and the, and the dark one. one. Yep. They're, they're synonymous to me at this point. <laughs> they do seem real bad. Uh, we'll just wait till we get to chapter 30. It, yeah. It, it, don't don't worry, everybody. It gets worse. And don't worry, everyone. If you were ever wondering, it only gets worse. So yeah, that's fine to be prejudiced against them. Everyone else. Everyone, let's get it together. That's right. That's right. Let's all band together. Yeah. The the little moment that Egwene and Perrin have, I think, is really sweet at the end where Egwene has kind of been like flirting with this other dude. Perrin doesn't really like make any moves on Egwene or anything. I was wondering if like anything like that would happen. But she basically like comes back and they kind of have a moment away from everybody where she she basically starts crying and says, like, tell me everybody's alive. And mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely a very emotional scene. And he kind of gives her a big hug. I do love their 
like relationship and friendship. And we talked about it last totally. time where she'll kind of like bully him into stuff. And they have a very fun um, relationship. I like the two of them. I actually have a lot of thoughts on this and we'll, we'll talk about it when we get a little bit later because I'm totally shipping them. Ah, okay. Yep. Oh, there it is. And so um, we'll talk about it a little later because there are some really important things that I think Perrin is learning and that Elias kind of brings up to him that that come out in the next few chapters. When we get there, we'll talk about it. But um, I'm really enjoying seeing more and more of Perrin because I think I'm going to throw it out there. This is Perrin's king journey. I feel like Perrin is on the road to being a coming a king. Mm. And I think that he needs to learn. Violence isn't the answer. He needs to learn how to accept differences from people that he was prejudiced against. He needs to learn how to interact and treat with a whole bunch of different people, except the children of the light. They can all die. But um, <laughs> I just think he's on this journey of like learning how to be a good leader. Mm. And it's been really fun to see this journey because I think he's getting training that none of, none of the other kids are getting because oh, yeah. he's on just this totally different experience with Egwene of like, meeting people he would have never met before uh, like being accepting of himself with this power that makes him uncomfortable being accepting of Egwene, who's a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Like he's just learning about all these things that none of the other boys are getting. And so I personally feel like he's on his king journey. He's becoming, he's going through the fire to become an excellent, hopefully yeah. a good king. It'd be very fun. Um, so we got a ship and a prediction. Yeah. Really quickly. Elias is super, super um, shady about his back his background oh yeah and i am super intrigued i caught i picked up all of what he was putting down uh -huh. and so i was like what are you what are you and it does seem like rain the seeker knows about elias's backstory they seem like and... old friends old yep. old friends yep and elias is just like eh, don't talk about it i think it actually comes in a later chapter um should, should we keep going yeah let's do it Okay, speaking of later chapters, so let's go to the next one. So let's hop over to uh, our one of our other uh, three groups we have traveling right now. We've got the group of Paranaguane and Elias that we just saw. We've got the group of Nynaeve, Lan, and Moraine. Or Moraine, I think is how you're supposed to say it. And then we are going to hop over now to Rand, Matt, and Tom. So chapter 26, Whitebridge. This chapter's sad. Yep. So Rand, Matt, and Tom make it to Whitebridge, a town named for the ancient White Bridge that spans a river. I wonder why. <laughs> what, a, what a unique name. There are some creative names in here. Whitebridge, not one of them. But it kind of makes it feel more real to me like that is what you'd probably name the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, my wife and I used to live in, you know, Sun Valley, and it was really bright there. I just feel like... There are some places in fantasy, and I literally sent you a video about this like yesterday where it was, you know, you have these names. I don't even remember what book they were talking about, but everyone was like, why would you call them this name? That's such a common name. And this is this is one of those times where we have like, you know, Camelin and we have Tarvalin um, and then we have Whitebridge. Why is it called Whitebridge? Because there's a Whitebridge. Uh -huh. <laughs> like, <figure>. Lame. <laughs> it makes sense. So anyway, so they get to Whitebridge. <clears throat> it's this ancient, super thin and delicate looking bridge that was created in the Age of Legends by Aes Sedai. So what do you think that's made of? So it's magical. It's made of magic, Taylor. No, no. What's it made out of? I don't know. Magic? I think it's made out of bone. 
Cool. Yeah. You read a lot of dark fantasy. Well, hey, you know, you've also well, no, I don't. I don't think you read past um, Shadow and Bone with Lee Bardugo, did you? No. Oh, there's just like a there's like a scene early, really early on in one of her like later books where they create where like there is a bridge created of rib bones, like Ooh. giant rib bones. It literally actually it's a giant vertebrae. Yeah, that is awesome. Never want to see it, but it sounds cool. <laughs> it does sound cool. Yeah, I'd rather just imagine it in my mind. Yeah, never want to see it. Never want to get near it. Yeah. All right, let's go. So they make it to Whitebridge. <clears throat> And they have been they've been traveling on a boat called the Spray. Thankfully, there is no mutiny. Captain Domon asks Tom to stay with them to the next big city and offers to pay him handsomely. Rand and Matt drag Tom away and they go to an inn and ask to sit in a private area. The as they're leaving um, the bridge, the Captain Domon fires Gelb, the sailor who was supposed to keep watch the night the Trollocs attacked. Freaking Gelb. Oh, Gelb. So <laughs> that guy's a great name. I like them. It sounds exactly like he is Gelb, which just makes you makes it sound like I feel like Gelb the grub and Gelb is definitely a grub. He's definitely a grub. (laughs) So anyway, they they make it to an inn and the innkeeper tells them about his feet for some reason, which I thought was a very funny joke until he starts to tell them the news of the world. So big news. Loghain, the false dragon, was recently captured by Aes Sedai. He's currently being paraded through villages on their way to imprison him in Tarvalon. And then soon the group overhear Gelb in the inn, who just happens to be at this inn also, talking about them. They leave quietly through a back window and Tom confides in them why he has continued to help. So we get to learn why Tom has been traveling with them. His nephew Owen was pretty much killed by Aes Sedai and Tom was too preoccupied or busy to help. So the group start leaving town but they are confronted by a fade in the middle of the street Hard path. tom tells them to run and remember an inn called the queen's blessing tom rushes the fade tackling it to the ground there is a blue flash and tom screams rand and matt run as fear washes through Whitebridge and causes the entire city to empty they take tom's advice and head for camelin carrying tom's gleeman coat and instruments R.A.P. Well, we so, don't know if he's dead yet. Yeah, I was going to ask you, do you think he's dead? No, the rule is if you don't actually see the body, they ain't dead. And I'm, I live my life by that rule. I live my life by that rule, too. My life in fantasy anyway. If it's like friends and family, I'll trust the doctors. But I'm just saying, like, in any kind of book, movie, anything, if I don't see the body and I just hear that they were attacked, they're not dead until I see the body. So someone sees the body, not me personally, but they, someone that I trust needs to be able to see the body. So I think Tom is still alive. These fade men, they're freaking terrifying. They're real creepy. I love them. I want more of these. It showed up out of nowhere and then it just stares at them and they can't look away and they're just like frozen in spot. And then Tom just musters all the courage and grit he has and Mm -hmm. makes them run. And then he pulls out his cool little knives and goes and stabs it. Second best knives. His second best knives. That's true. He threw he threw his first best knives to save them earlier from Charles. Wonder what he's going to do with his third best knife. It's also crazy that so Tom like supposedly like kills this Trolloc with the or this fade with the knives and then it just explodes fear <laughs> which then covers the entire city and everybody runs the entire city empties and runs because of a fear explosion 
That's which is cool. so cool and so weird. <laughs> yep. You feel like I feel like in that situation, what do you think fear smells like? I feel like it smells like farts. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I have a farts and graveyard dirt. Farts and graveyard dirt. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's like certain farts that like like me after too much ice cream farts inspires fear. (laughs) It does inspire fear. Some farts. It's like, oh, it's kind of funny. I don't know how I was raised, I guess. But post ice cream farts and graveyard dirt. That's what I think we can agree on that. one. Great. That's what a fade. It smells like when it explodes. Everyone cannon cannon Sanderson. Here it is. Yeah, this was a really interesting chapter. I think that. I'm really sad for Tom because I, I I think he's a really tragic character. I also don't know that Owen is dead. He's he insinuates it, but Tom didn't see a body. Yep. So we don't know if Owen's actually dead. Who knows what he's doing? And he said like he said something along the lines of he was pretty much killed by Aes Sedai. What does that mean? What do they yeah. do with him? Nobody knows what that means. I, I think that's very interesting. Sounds sinister. I'm in for it. I'm here for it. I want to know what they're doing. Are they sucking souls out? Are they making slaves? What are they doing here? Because I need to know. Are they men in black mind wiping people? Maybe. Maybe. I want to know about it. Where Where are they putting them? I we, mean, we still don't know what exactly happens to men who can channel the one power. No. Like what I said, I do to them. They said, what did you call it? They said that it's the, they gentle them. They, yeah, they, it's the gentling. The gentling. That's horrible. That sounds sinister. I don't want to be gentle. <laughs> it sounds like a stallion that's broken. That's actually exactly what it is. That probably is what it is, actually. Yikes. What do they do when they're broken, though? Do they like turn them into slaves like how do, do they turn them into like batteries like what do they do with them do they just breed them ew that is probably what they do that's probably what they do because they wow, want more, more guys ma- <laughs> prediction all the men they they like turn them into just like breeders for for more female eyes to die i bet you that's exactly what they do that's disgusting canon i'm making sure Mr. we have Sanderson. that i'm making sure <laughs> that i write down that prediction i really i like i like that prediction yeah, I mean, I want to know what the gentling is, but these these fades, this entire chapter, like, I mean, it, here's the thing. If they would have stayed on the boat, the fade would have gotten them and probably killed everybody on the boat, which is sad. Mm-hmm. I don't know what these kids are going to do with Tom because these kids are all, they're bun- bundle of bumpkins. Honestly, surprised they've made it this far. <laughs> a bundle of bumpkins is a very that's fun what they are they're a bundle of bumpkins especially these two these two idiots rand and matt biggest bumpkins of them all like there's what are they doing yeah no nobody knows they certainly don't know god no they but, don't know but now they're heading to camelin and they've got tom's stuff so that's good that they have his stuff. Maybe they'll pretend to be Gleeman when they get to Camelin. With their flute skills? Are you joking? They're nope. gonna Well, Rand is apparently good with the flute. Yeah, Matt, Matt, Matt sucks. Fair. Also, Matt's also like very much obsessed with his knife. He's still doing his precious over the knife. So I don't think Matt's going to be any good. No, no, I don't like where Matt's going. Me neither. If Perrin's on the King's journey, Matt's on the Gollum journey. Is that another prediction? I hope not. I don't want that to be a prediction. It might be, but I don't want it to be. Yeah, I'm writing it down. We'll see if it comes true. Um, I also feel like it's really sad that Rand, they're all kind of coming to this point of desperation where like Egwene is like, tell me they're alive. And then Rand's also doing the exact same thing one chapter later. Tell me they're alive. Yeah. And both parent parents like they're probably alive. Matt's like, they're probably all dead. Yeah. The heck, Matt? <laughs> yeah. Come on, dude. Be cool. Just tell him they're alive. 
Yeah. It'll help him feel better. Everyone, lying is normally not the best the best thing, but when your friend, if you're in a really stressful situation and your friend is, you know, having a moment and they just need some hope, give it to him. Give it to him. Don't be a jerk. Well, and, and like, it's not even like he's being honest. Like, he's just kind of being uh, a pessimist for no reason. And I've I've definitely talked to a lot of people who, like claim they're just being a realist but mm-hmm. really they're just being negative mm-hmm. and uh it's not helpful because if he was being honest he would say i don't know if they're alive but i hope they are like that would be the most mm-hmm. honest answer instead you know Perrin and matt both go just complete opposite directions and Perrin's like they're alive they have to be mm-hmm. and matt's like they're dead and we have to learn to deal with it yeah i mean all of them are just so i definitely prefer to have Perrin around but yeah seriously i yeah. think we all would prefer to have Perrin around also, too, I think Rand is either in this chap in this one. I think it is in this chapter. I just can't find it. He talks about hope and about like essentially hope is useless because all it does is like false promises. Like that is so sad. And like don't don't live your life that way. Like no. I see why they say they're saying that, but that's just really sad. Anything else on this on this chapter? No, let's keep going. Cool, let's do it. Chapter twenty seven: Shelter from the Storm. So we jump right back with Perrin, Egwene, and Elias, who stay with the Tinkers for a little while longer. Egwene is continues to be courted by the boy named a boy named Aram, who is the grandson of the Seeker. While Perrin is picked on by a group of pretty girls who make a habit of dancing in front of him until he blushes. <laughs> I love that. It was so funny. There are more debates about the way of the leaf. And both Perrin and Elias are against the radical pacifism, though Perrin also fears becoming more like Elias. One night while Perrin is dreaming, his dream is being guarded by a wolf, um, as they do. They guard his dreams, we find out. Baalzaman arrives this time, though, and burns the wolf to ashes with a fiery look. It's literally so horrible. Yeah. When he awakens, Elias finally agrees it is time to part ways with the traveling people. There are heartfelt goodbyes, including Elias. uh, And Elias shows that he knows all the words of the Tinker's goodbye ceremony. Mm -hmm. They travel on once again, accompanied by the wolves. I find it super interesting that the wolves guard Perrin while he's in a dream. Like, that's so cool. It's so cool. They're. Yeah. Not only are they like, I mean, guarding their, their physical bodies, they're guarding his mind in sleep in like the sleep world do you think that they're also throwing it out there that this you know people always say like your mind is connected to your soul do you think that this is also part of it is like the more you interact with Baal Zaman the more it can affect your soul and like how you see the world and how you interact with people and the wolves are protecting Karen's soul yeah I mean I could totally see that it seems spiritual in nature Mm -hmm. um Especially just with Baal Zaman's like demonic kind of persona and presence. So it feels very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And the way Perrin's connected to the wolves, it's not like a strict comic book telepathy kind of thing. No, it's not like the in Game of Thrones, the morgues um, or whatever they're called. Like they can see through the eyes, they can control them. It's very this like mental thing where mm-hmm. with Perrin, it's more he. He wargs. gets like vibes Sorry. from wargs, yeah. With the W. 
Perrin gets like vibes from the wolves, right? Yeah. And he he just kind of knows what they're wanting and what they're feeling and what they're sensing. It feels more like how wolves probably feel or communicate rather than totally. this like strict, I'm now seeing through their eyes and now I'm controlling them. It's it's not that at all. He just kind of he just kind of knows what they want and what they're doing and when there's where danger. They're all, and, where they are. And definitely, yeah, they're always where they are. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really is this whole deal with Perrin. I was thinking about it when it comes to like the wargs, because when it, in Game of Thrones, if you're unfamiliar, the wargs are people that um, normally come from the north and they have an interesting relationship with animals. Normally it's one animal, but then in the case of Bran, it's like multiple animals and sometimes people, which is really uncomfortable. Um, but wargs essentially, oh, when yeah. they jump into something's mind it essentially is they push the actual consciousness of that being over to the side and they take control mm-hmm. whereas this is more their the wolves are sharing their thoughts with him or sharing their feelings with him whether subconsciously or consciously and Karen is just able to read moods like a mood ring the wolves are all mood rings and he can tell what mood they are <laughs> there you go <laughs> the wolf <laughs> yep Elias is just covered in mood rings. <laughs> He's covered in mood rings. Honestly, I feel like that fits his vibe, though. <laughs> yeah, it does. It kind of fits the Tinker vibe, too. They totally. they like all they're very brightly colored and stuff. And so I could see them having a lot of mood rings. Totally. I am not a fan of this arm person. Get out of here. Yeah, don't try to him. don't try to hit on our Egwene. You, yeah. you get out of here, you handsome little flirt. You. <laughs> I was really interested to see where that was going. <laughs> I was too. I didn't know where it was going. This is the first time Egwene has actually had a male's attention that wasn't right. Really mm. strictly on her. And so it's really interesting to see how she reacted to that because, you know, she's getting, he, he's super handsome and he's like well up in the Tinker community, but her like source of comfort was still parent. Yeah. And she still went to parent for comfort and to seek a place of home and, and it wasn't this guy which is telling mm-hmm. but it's also interesting that like you know he gives her this bead these beads and like she constantly touches them and i think it's to remind herself like you know as women like we like to be pursued women also love to you know have people like them and so i think this was an interesting transition for her to realize like oh like People other than Rand think I'm attractive. Yeah. It's got to be really validating for her. Mm-hmm. By the way, men don't like to be pursued or found attractive either. Oh, no, 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 no. no you guys no. like to be told you're gross. Yes. <laughs> you like to know that your farts are gross and they're, they're from ice cream. <laughs> they smell like beer. <laughs> yeah, that's validating for, for us men. That is validating. That's right. Yeah. I don't know. I liked this chapter. I think I was really interested in the end, you know, that Elias and Rain kind of got the same vibes of like mm-hmm. something is afoot. Mm-hmm. And it turns out to be the unkindness known as the Rain, the Raven. Yeah. Do you think Rain might be a, a wolf person too? I don't think so. I think that Rain is just, it's really common. And I'm, and I'm going to be kind of nerdy here, but like it's really common that when you have it, a common trope within um, fantasy is like the more of a pacifist in tune you are with the earth, the more the earth kind of gives you information. So yeah. like Aang in the after last airbender being yep. a pacifist was like really, really at peace with all animal life and like kind of lived his life that way. 
Tom Bombadil, great, great example of someone that lived very much at, at peace with the earth and the earth lived at peace with him and like kind of gave, gave, gave and gave. And so it's just interesting. Like that's a very common like fantasy trope. Like live in such a way where you are like kind to the earth, like, you know, are a pacifist to others that the universe essentially gives back to you. And mm-hmm. just fascinating. It is fascinating. It kind of sends a pretty good message, I think. I agree. I think that's true. Like, I mean, if you've ever met anybody that's very, like, conscientious of, like, their impact on the earth, they just kind of enjoy things in their life a little bit more. Like, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. The end of this goodbye here was pretty cold for Ela. Sure. Rain's wife. It was like, don't let the door hit you on the way out. See you later. Yeah, she definitely wanted to be rid of them. And we definitely got the sense that the Tinkers didn't didn't trust or at least felt really jumpy or nervous around Elias. Like they just probably by extension Perrin and probably by extension Perrin. Yeah, they just kind of saw him as basically a wolf. Yeah. Like who was like a wolf that was being nice to them. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it seemed like a bit of a relief when they left, even though they were so friendly and. And Elias even knew their goodbye ritual, which was interesting. I am so curious about Elias. Like, I want to know more about where he's from. I want that we kind of got a little bit of an information here. And then he like shut it down that he's from like a specific tribe of people. But then Mm. we don't really know if he's actually from there or if he's like associated with them in some way. Yeah, I'm super curious. Yeah, me too. Do you have any other thoughts on this chapter before we... Yeah, do you think that they cottoned on a little bit that Egwene is in an Aes Sedai? Because they also don't like Aes Sedai. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't really think so. Did she, like, let that slip or anything? It's not I like don't she, know. She didn't do any magic. I don't know. And I don't know in this world if magic... You know in Harry Potter where, like, a young wizard, they will just kind of have magic, like, kind of pulse out of them or like explode out of them when they're young until they can control it. Right. I don't know if it's like that with Aes Sedai where like it doesn't seem that way because no. it seems like she really had a tough time lighting a fire earlier. Yeah. And so no it doesn't seem like that. It seems like the magic almost gets just like bottled up inside them till it makes them sick and kills them. No I thought that was if you kept using it and you didn't know how to essentially like release that you I think it was just any any girl that was the magical that didn't get training is basically that's what happened. They got the fever oh, and that's rough. But yeah, it's interesting because I feel like this is I'm trying to kind of like nail down the magic in this world. And I feel like this type of magic for girls is like it's not the Harry Potter rules where if you don't use it, it'll just kind of come crashing out of you. Mm-hmm. It's more of like the you are magical and then you can tap into that, I guess. Like similar to like more the name of the wind kind of vibe, where you can, like if you have a kin- if you have a knack towards magic, like learn about it and tap into it mm-hmm. to use it. Yeah, yeah, and she, yeah, it's this idea of like they call it channeling. I mean, so the idea of like channeling is you. There is just a power out there. It almost sounds a little bit like Star Wars, like a little bit like the Force. Like the Force is just in all things, and if you can connect to it, you can use it. Mm -hmm. which i I find is kind of an interesting thing it's not like they're not they're not generating it themselves they're not making it they're like connecting to it and tapping into it floating around in the atmosphere with the trollic particles 
that are also just floating around the teleporting out there. trollic particles yeah. yeah that are getting beamed around like Willy Wonka characters <laughs> yeah yeah and it's like reach up and they like grab some of the one power and you might get some trollic dust on you and yeah. <laughs> Wipe that off. No, no, thank you. I don't want the trolley. <laughs> no, 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 right no, 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 no. <laughs> hard pass, hard pass. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. so funny. But yeah, it was a good this was a really good one. Um, I feel like we can come up with a new rule for um Oh, I'm ready. For fantasy. So um there are frequently in fantasy books a group of traveling performers or tinkers or whomever mm-hmm. and everyone just rule and fantasy and probably in life don't judge a book by the by the cover like think about how you're probably putting on some prejudice towards them and deal with that before you interact with them because in most of the books that i've read anyway the fantasy worlds i've read most of those people are very kind and welcoming so check yourself before you enter the tinker area <laughs> I like that. That's a good fantasy rule. Check yourself before you enter the Tinker's camp. Yeah, I want to say check yourself before you wreck yourself, but I feel like that's lame. So I feel like check yourself before you enter a new camp or enter the Tinker's village. <laughs> well, careful not to alienate our 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 big rap fans um, listening to the podcast. That's a good point. That's big good fans point. of gangster rap out there. So yeah, watch, watch it and, and make sure, Taylor, you check yourself before you wreck yourself. Yep, indeed. Should we go to chapter 28? Heck yeah, let's do it. All right, chapter 28, Footprints in the Air. Such a good title. Such a good title. I love it. Footprints in the Air. So Moraine, Lan, and Nynaeve, we finally get to this trio. They make it to Whitebridge. Nynaeve has made it a point to argue with Moraine and try to demand answers from her the entire trip while denying the reality of her own magical abilities. I don't know how Lan and Chuck Nynaeve into the river at this (laughs) point. I would have. In the city, they find half a dozen burned buildings and the townsfolk are on edge. Land smells a fade in the air. Through several conversations with the locals, they learn that it is likely two of the boys arrived here by boat, though Moraine is unsure of which way they went. Moraine and Land decide to go after the one boy who still has his coin, Perrin, since they know where he is and they trust the other two will meet them in Camelin. That's all that really happens. It's a short chapter. Yeah, it's nice to short. Again, Nynaeve, at this point, toss her into the river. Be done with her. Well, Moraine doesn't like to let um, any girl with magical abilities go, so Moraine wouldn't be cool with that. Yeah, but I would be. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Nynaeve. (laughs) Nynaeve is stubborn to a fault, man. (laughs) I'm telling you. She just likes to make a point. Just... To make that point. And then beat you with it again and again and again and again until you want to kill her. Yep. Oh, yep. man. I loved that Nynaeve like, said what we all were thinking was like, is this bridge stable? Can we walk on the white bridge? Is it just for decoration? And both Moraine and Land just plotted right on top of it. Didn't even, didn't yeah. even second thought. On their horses. And it, it, apparently it's described as looking like it was made out of a combination of lace and glass. Yeah. So that wouldn't inspire a lot of confidence in me either. Nope. 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 This reminded me, I, I did think about this. In the Avatar The Last Airbender, the Northern Water Tribe, mm-hmm. the White Bridge reminded me of like something they probably built. Yeah, totally. You know like what I'm ice, saying? Like a big ice bridge. Yeah, they have those and they're like super cool. Mm-hmm. I think Sokka kisses the moon girl on it, but it's uh, so cool to like think about something just like that beautiful. 
floating in the air. But yeah, that's kind of what it reminded me of. One of the, by the way, one of the best settings in that show is the Northern Water Trap. 100%. So, so cool. Moraine is just being really nice to Nynaeve, and Lan <laughs> is like almost on the edge, and I don't know how they're doing it. I honestly don't know. She's a crazy lady. Yep. She's a crazy lady. You know, Moraine is just doing her job. She's a babysitter of magical girls. <laughs> She's the Professor McGonagall of all of these of all of these magic children. Totally. I think that's kind of probably how it is because She's like, it's her job. It's her sacred duty to, you know, take care of, rescue these magical girls. And so even if they're the worst, <laughs> she's got to take them with her. And by the way, I'm still kind of team naive. <laughs> but, I've never been team but naive. She, she is naive getting sucks. <laughs> she is getting more annoying. Yeah, no. I'm hoping naive has a good turnaround because at this rate, I will toss her into the water. <laughs> it's up to me. She will be. Flying off that bridge into yeah. the water. Her and her magic can go bye-bye. Yeah, her and her magic can go away. Yeah, it was interesting, you know, the innkeeper that had just talked to um, Tom and what's-his-face, um, Tom, Matt, and Rand, that the innkeeper, innkeepers in this, in this universe are uh, pretty cool. They're cool dudes. Yeah, Apparently they're like all them. chunky. I'm into that. Sure. Yep. They're um, all chunky. They, they've got like bunions on their feet. Yeah. <laughs> they all wear an apron. Also into that. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. And they're all like kind of cool. Like. Yeah. Master Alvier. Super cool. Yep. The guy at the Stag and Lion. Super cool. Mm-hmm. This dude. Also super cool. Yeah. yeah. Kind of fun. I'm by the way. I, by the way, I did write a short story a little while back about an innkeeper. In Was a fan- it also cool? In a fantasy world. I've had I've I have read some cool. have read some books with um the innkeeper being a real piece of dirt. But oh like real trash, real trash humans. Wow. Well no 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 my the one the one I wrote about, he's he's generally a pretty nice guy. Generally a pretty nice guy. I mean he's a nice guy. Okay. I was gonna say <laughs> that the the other description did not inspire confidence. Nah, he fits the trope. Okay, he fits the is trope. he also chunky? a little bit chunky yeah i don't i don't get into his measurements very much but i definitely pictured him as not small yeah i mean you know you're around all the good food and the good ale give yeah. me a little chunky what else are you gonna do with your time yeah you're gonna cook you're gonna brew you're gonna eat, you're gonna eat and drink yeah People and, you're, gonna and, buy you're gonna, drinks. and you're gonna share news because that's what that's what that's innkeepers what you are for in a that's fantasy that's what world. you do that's and what you do. When you play D&D, you always want to make sure you talk to the innkeeper because they definitely have some news and they probably got some quests for you. There you go. Unless you don't want any side quests, <laughs> in which case avoid the innkeeper. <laughs> All the side quests are the best part. OK, well, agree to disagree because the Mandalorian is all side quests. <laughs> and that's the worst part about that show. No one knows where we're going. It's just a whole bunch of little quests all over the place. What even is the main quest in that show? Just like. Fatherhood. Don't take off your helmet. <laughs> Fatherhood, I guess. Yeah, which it's a good it's a good quest. Yeah, but not if your baby's like a hundred years old and it's still remaining a child. Yeah, there's something real weird about that. Yeah. Like the fact that Yoda was nine hundred years old is less impressive now. Less because baby Yoda is apparently fifty-five and is a baby. So like Yoda nothing. being nine hundred is just like Yoda being what, seventy or something? Also, let's just let's just I'm just gonna throw it out there. So Yoda was 900, so let's say this this particular creature. And also, everyone, 
we are speculating here for funsies. If you are like, no, he was in a cryogenic sleep and that's why he's, you know what? We don't care. We don't care. Like, uh, although I am curious. If that is the case, please write it. Jake will read it. I will not. <laughs> so okay. deal. Um, that being said, if that's the case and this, this particular species of creature lives like a millennia, then the time that man, that um, the Mandalorian is his father dropping the bucket. Dropping the bucket. <laughs> Just a blip. Like literally a blip. Like not yep. even he's gonna remember that and be like, who's that guy I spent like how long was that? Two weeks with? Like literally dropping the bucket. It's like you went to a work conference. The person leading the work conference, that's like the Mandalorian to literally to, to baby Yoda. He's like, Grogu's over there, like, who's that guy again? I remember, I don't remember. Was his, his name face. Pedro Pascal? I can't quite remember. Oh, if it was Pedro. It is Pedro Pascal. I know it is Pedro Pascal, but they don't know. They don't know I that. Don't, they don't I see his face. Jindarin. Dinjarin. I think he's Dinjarin. Dimwit Jarin. Side quest Jarin. Anyway, back to, back to this story. The um, side quest. Avoid the innkeepers for the side quest. Anybody else? Go to the innkeeper. Normally chunky, normally super cool. Big fans. Big fans. I do love. So the reason it's called Footprints in the Air, this chapter, is because Moraine is. What does it describe her doing? It's like she's doing something with the one power where she's tracking like the the scent of a memory and she's following footprints in the air. It's really cool and poetic. Oh, it's super cool. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. That was such such part yeah i'm interested to see like as moraine and nynaeve and land develop uh moraine is super unconvinced by this like weird chemistry that's happening between lan and nynaeve i'm picking it up and moraine degaff does not care at all she's over here like looking at the footprints and lan and like nynaeve are like kind of checking each other out and moraine's like I got coins to track. I don't have time for this. <laughs> Are you sure you're not um, just like fan arting that uh, that ship? Are you sure you're not just shipping that ship or is that ship happening? I, don't I, think I, I, I didn't happening. pick up on it, but I think you might just be straight up shipping it. I think that I think this is a fan fiction in my mind because I don't think it's actually happening. I don't honestly land maybe asexual and that's fine. Sure. Like that's sure. good for him. So I'm probably Moraine is just or um sorry, Nynaeve is probably just like, ew, a boy. Maybe Nynaeve is asexual. Maybe she's a lesbian. Honestly, who knows? Yeah. Hopefully we find out though. And it would be cool for them to have this like, you know, that this this romance where they're like upset with each other and they get on each other's nerves and then suddenly they look at each other. And they and love they each other. Kiss. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'm all I'm, I'm an enemies to lovers kind of a girl. So yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. all about that. I mean, who isn't? Yeah, no, I, I'm shipping that with you. We're 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 Fanfic. team <laughs> we're team Nylan Nylan or Lanive. Lan- I, like, I think Lanive. Yep, Lan- that's Eve. way better than Nylan. Nylan sounds like <laughs> nylons. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We'll go. We'll go Lanive or Lanive. I like. Oh that yeah, a lot. yeah, yeah, yeah. Should we All go right. to the next chapter? Yeah, tell me about the unkindness. <laughs> oh, yeah, these these birds are so unkind. Also, for anyone that is confused by that, a flock of ravens is called an unkindness. So we that is what we shall refer to them as for this chapter is the unkindness. 
Yeah, and boy, are they unkind. Oh, shoot, so, they are unkind. So Demons. Let me, let me tell you about this. So we go back to Perrin, Egwene, and Elias, mm-hmm. who are traveling with the Tinkers. Or sorry, they're now traveling without the Tinkers. They have said goodbye. They soon encounter ravens, the eyes of the Dark One, or, that search for them mercilessly. You get giant swarms of ravens, which, yes, a flock of ravens is called an unkindness. Mm-hmm. At one time, in one of these unkindnesses come upon a fox, which is just accosted by the ravens. The fox is pecked and bit apart until it is just a bloody mess of fur and blood. Honestly, this was so traumatizing because like any time that I hear about any kind of like dog as creature, aside from like a wolf, I think of my dog named Olive. Mm. And like this was horrible because the poor fox is just trying to get away and it's crying it's just living its life it might be hunting rabbits or just just doing its thing being all clever like foxes are and then it just gets murdered by a whole bunch of unkind in like the worst possible way yeah it's literally eaten apart death by a thousand cuts it's it's awful and and they they basically see this happen you know from a distance and they're hiding because they have to hide from these ravens because there's this repeated line throughout the chapter of you know, it just takes one raven. So if only one raven sees them, it's going to go alert the others and they're going to get pecked to death. So anyway, seeing this really freaks the group out and they begin a breathless dash to escape the searching ravens. They hide and run, hide and run, and they use their slings to kill any straggling ravens that, you know, that see them. Perrin resolves to put Egwene out of her misery if the ravens catch them to spare her from pain. He basically takes his axe and resolves that he'll just kill her before he lets the ravens peck her apart. Mm. The wolves scout ahead until they encounter until the wolves encounter ravens and then they start making their way back toward Elias. Finally, the group come to a place of safety called a steading where the servants of the dark one will not enter and no eyes that I can use the one power as they make camp right next to this gigantic eye. Mm-hmm. Elias tells the story of Arthur Hawking, a king who united the world and enforced his peace with an iron fist. A giant monument was built in his honor in the middle of the steading where his capital city was supposed to be. And they make camp next to the fallen statue's giant eye. So this this chapter is hectic. I don't know how they did all the running, but yeah, this I mean, these Raymonds are scary. I feel like this is when people were like, oh, my gosh, the movie The Crows that came out like back in the 80s like this is what they were talking about were these monstrous birds i don't like birds at all like i hate birds actually and so this is one of my worst things and they have um what's the the chapter is called eyes without pity chapter 29 so and i love that it describes the um the ravens as having eyes without pity and then they end up camping it comes full circle they camp right next to this big just stone eyeball that also had no pity for i said i also has no pity yeah yeah damn full circle but yeah it's interesting because i I, it's just like this the fact that this is a thing and that these creatures these birds i mean we've had it since literally the first prologue that these ravens are just bopping around and they're all all ravens are evil they're all part of this dark web of of lies and and evilness is just an unkindness is mm-hmm. honestly like very very awful like it's scary because it just feels like doesn't matter like no no area is safe there could be a raven around 
it, it, it would definitely make somebody very tinfoil hat conspiracy theory ish because yeah any Birds anytime you see like a, a black bird you're gonna be like ah oh, is that a raven ah oh, is the dark one spying on me like yeah definitely make you paranoid very big brother very big brother definitely i think perrin's in love with the queen Ooh. i think he's always been in love with the queen but i think he loves his friend more mm. and i think that he loved he he loved rand a lot and i think this kind of comes up in the at the end of this chapter slash beginning of next chapter has always loved Egwene, and I think that he is willing to do the hard things for her. I mean, he was willing to kill her with an axe to spare her from pain, thereby leaving himself to experience that pain. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like that's a huge sacrifice. Yeah, and he immediately regrets it. And as soon as they even come to safety, he's already hating himself mm-hmm. for even coming to that decision, like it, which was a decision out of love, but. Um, that's a hard decision to make yeah yeah it, it's interesting and it, and i think that elias like brings it up what's up with you and Egwene? He's like nothing Egwene's like my my buddy girl but we've talked about this in the past with this podcast is like another really interesting part of karen's journey is all three of the boys took a step back from Egwene when they all learned she was nice to die they all did it mm-hmm. they all felt weird about it Karen is not an Aes Sedai, therefore doesn't hopefully need to be gentle, but um, yeah. he has his own magical powers that he's wrestling and that he feels shame for and that he consistently thinks to himself, like, Egwene's going to think I'm weird or Egwene's going to judge me or whatever. And I think part of their journey together is they're going to come to a place of being like, I don't judge you for the way you are. It's just who you are. I like you for who you are. Yeah. Well, so I can tell you're definitely more team Perrin Egwene than Rand Egwene. I think that there's going to be a really awkward moment where like Perrin and Egwene are going to get closer and closer and closer. And then they're going to be reunited with Rand and it's going to feel like Rand will have gone on his own journey. Mm. And Egwene's going to be like, oh yeah, I'm reunited with Rand. But then like something's missing. So you're, so maybe that means love triangle. Are we going full YA love triangle here? I'm going, no, I'm going more of like Perrin and Egwene are going to be together. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting that like Rand and Egwene have had this thing for a long time and it almost seems like something that like everyone just assumed was going to happen. Like put on them. Yeah. Like put on them. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, that's interesting. So the idea of Egwene, you know, choosing someone who's choosing her rather than Oh, you're destined to be together is also kind of sweet. So I agree. I would I would like that ending for Egwene. I also that future for her. They've mentioned multiple times while we've been reading this book that Perrin is like wildly attractive. Like, yeah, and they I, mentioned you forget about that. They mentioned that he's like super handsome. He's like a big guy. He's like yeah, super he's... strong, like super fit. Mm-hmm. He has really beautiful like black curly hair and has like really nice eyes like they they've mentioned how handsome he is mm-hmm. he's like a combination in my mind of like Gendry and robert baratheon like very much that like handsome like tall dark handsome deal yeah but Perrin is so different than rand because rand has this view of Egwene in his mind where she is this damsel in distress that he needs to save Mm-hmm. Karen sees Egwene as a brat. 
and tells her off sometime and gives her sass back when she deserves it. Or, you know, an Egwene for her part, like she feels the need to boss these boys. And it's been taking a while for her to realize, like, I, Karen's a person. Like, I don't need to boss him all the time. He, he's fine to just do what he's going to do. And I think they're learning on how to interact with each other and trust each other and build this relationship with each other that I don't think Rand is capable of doing because of what you said, that there's always been this push to push them together, that they never really got the time to learn what each other is like outside of a romantic relationship. Yeah. And that's really important. Yeah, definitely. So I'm team Perrin and Egwene. I want this to happen. I also just, yeah, I just love Perrin. Like, I, I love, love Perrin. I love the way he thinks. He's very sweet. Just really cares about people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really, I really like Perrin. Yeah, there's a really important piece of Perrin here in the next chapter, I think, where Perrin is talking about using his axe. He's talking about, you know, I don't want to kill anybody i don't ever want to hurt someone and like i hate having to keep this thing because it's so it's so awful to have to carry something that can kill someone and like can sever someone's neck or like whatever and elias says to Karen, which which is one of my quotable quotes but i couldn't find it like that's exactly the mentality you want to keep the moment that you mm-hmm. don't want to throw their axe away is the moment you need to leave it behind it and like that was such a like that's such wisdom of like the moment that lifting that act gets hard. And that's such like Ned Stark kind of vibe. Like though that man who passes a sentence, like swings the sword. And the moment that that sword stopped being heavy is the moment you should put it away forever. Yeah. Yeah. I got the quote right here. You ready? Read it. Hit me. Page 435. Elias says, or it says Perrin raised the ax to throw it in the pool, but Elias caught his wrist. You'll use it boy. And as long as you hate using it, you will use it more wisely than most men would. Wait, if ever you don't hate it any longer, then will be the time to throw it as far as you can and run the other way. I love that. I I just that is like. That's how you know that parent is going to be a good leader because he takes this so seriously and he's not just playing with swords or playing with an axe like was what like once was when he was a kid. This is it means something to him Mm -hmm. and he's learning new ways to think about justice and to think about revenge and to think about how to deal with people you know with with the tinkers and he's learning how to and understand that taking someone's life is really not a joke yeah he actually so this whole section of chapters you know perrin's kind of our main character of the book for these like six chapters um we get so much through his perspective here Mm -hmm. and he's really on this interesting like morality journey yeah more so than any other other characters by far. Yeah. So I agree. There's definitely a lot of work going on in Perrin's heart where he's learning, like you said, being confronted with the idea of pacifism. And then like, pretty much immediately after confronted with the idea of killing his best friend to spare her from pain. Yeah. And yeah, things are not as cut and dry as he once thought. No. And there's a lot of weight to, to what he does. Okay, let's talk about Archer Hawkwing. Oh, yeah. So Arthur Hawkwing, um, who is this like kind of ancient king who basically united sounds like most of the world He's like an Alexander the Great type character. Yeah. Yeah. Or Caesar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so what I what I didn't cover in the summary is that, yeah, he he basically conquered slash united most of the world. And 
made peace, so all the common people really liked him. But he enforced his justice by like what sounds like just really harsh, like death penalties and stuff. Oh yeah. And then he he hated the Aes Sedai also and made war on the Aes Sedai and basically besieged Tar Valen for a long time. It was like twenty years. Yeah. He besieged. He did. They besieged the Tar Valen, which like that's a long time. Yep. And the Aes Sedai only survived because they just all together were just using their magic to keep his armies out. Yeah. It's crazy. 20 years. Might be a drop in the bucket to Grogu, but for the rest of us, we are all struggling with that 20 years. That's a long time. That's a third of our most people's lives. I know. You almost start to feel bad for all these lady wizards. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, not really, though. Not if they've got naive. Anyway, um... (laughs) <laughs> then actually I do feel bad for them because then they've been trapped in a siege. Could you even imagine? Oh lord, that would be horrible. She'd just Ooh. be like, why don't you just talk to them? We've we've tried talking to them. I still think you should just talk to them. <laughs> you know what, Nynaeve? You go talk to them. Good luck. They honestly, they just like lob her over the walls. <laughs> She's your problem now! <laughs> I'm going to remind you of something back today. Uh-huh. So a few... Chapters ago, a bundle of chapters ago, our good old buddy Baalzaman was bragging to Rand about all of his conquests that he's mm. had. One of which is that he is the one that convinced Archer Hawkwing to not trust the Aes Sedai anymore oh. and therefore to isolate the creatures that could have saved him and given him like a super easy elixir to say to like give him health back, he, like save him from this poison or whatever. Because he was like either poisoned or he got sick and that's how yeah. he died. But and I said I could have totally saved him, but he, like with no problem, like yeah. it was an easy fix. Yeah. And Baalzaman is over here like that was me, y'all. I'm the one that did that, and that's really interesting. Like now that we get that backstory, while we already have that context, it's really interesting that like sounds like Archer, as with many people, you know, you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Like I think he had such good intentions going out and then over time just was poisoned by their greed or whatever and started well, to isolate people. Essentially his own prejudice killed him. Yeah, literally. Literally. Because the only person that only people that could save him are the people that he um was oppressing. Mm-hmm. His eyes really creepy. I'd want to move away from it. Oh yeah. I wouldn't want to just camp next to a giant like 10 foot eyeball. eyeball. Hard pass. Yeah, no thanks. Cover it with something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just kind of put some leaves over it. Yeah. This little pocket of the world also, a little pocket that doesn't do magic is fascinating. Like, how many of their, how many of those are there? How did they get made? Who's managing that? When, when Egwene goes in, is it like she feels like something's being pushed down? Like, what, what, what is happening? And obviously Perrin's magic still works. Aaron and Elias's magic still works. Right. Right. Because they're they're not channeling the one power. They're just like connecting to the spirit of the wolf or something. Spirit of the wolf. Which I am really curious if we're gonna get like more hard magic rules for the wolves at some point. Like if we're gonna kind of get that like um Morgan Freeman moment who's gonna come in and just kind of explain how it all works. I kind of feel like we won't with the wolves, but I Doubt do it. think we're getting that with the one power pretty soon. I agree. Maybe, I feel like once they go to the Tarvalin Hogwarts, I feel like we're going to get a lot of good stuff. Yes. We're going to get our rules that we really like. I need the rules. I need them. I can't live in this world where you got 
floating lace and ice and you got, you know, trollic particles floating around and I just have no rules. I can't live in this world. I can't live like this, Jake. I need to know rules. Taylor needs rules for her magic, everybody. I need to know how the trollic particles are handling and, and being managed. Sounds like Lan is also very focused on the trollic particles, so it's not just me. Nope. Nope, nope. And if Lan is worried about something, I think you should just, all be worried about it. We should all be worried about it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's let's land this plane. Hit me with that children of shadow. Oh, I wish I by, wasn't going to. By, by children of shadow, I mean children of evil, because these are the worst. I hate these people. I hate so, them, too. OK, so chapter 30, children of shadow. Perrin, Egwene and Elias are making camp. Um, and while they're making camp, that's where we get that really, really great conversation between Elias and Perrin about mm-hmm. Perrin's acts. It starts out with Elias basically accusing Perrin of hating Egwene, and that's why he was going to kill her with the axe. Mm-hmm. Kind of in a way of to get Perrin to talk and to shake him out of it, because obviously he wasn't going to do that because he hates Egwene. It's, it's because he really cares about her. So anyway, um, suddenly the wolves sense trouble. So they all douse the fire and Elias disappears into the forest with the wolves as Perrin and Egwene look for a place to hide with their horse. They find a sheltered hillside that's under one of Arthur Hawkwing's hands. This what are these body parts? What are they doing? Like, also, how big is this statue? Is that like 500 feet tall? So Stop. It's pretty big. So he just has body parts just scattered around this entire area. I mean, he's just fallen over. Where's his butt? <laughs> he just hide under the arch of butt crack. <laughs> just hiding. So we know where Taylor would hide. <laughs> I would hide in an armpit. Or a butt crack or a foot. All right. Right in, everybody. What <laughs> what body parts of Arthur Hawkwing would you hide under? And nose. Keep, keep it PG. Nostrils. Keep it PG. Oh, yeah. In the nose. Ooh, that'd be good. What if the head is hollow? You have to live in there. <laughs> like they do in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, totally. It's, it's like nowhere. Okay. Anyway. Wow. Where was I? So they looked. <laughs> They look to hide with their horse. They hide under his hand, which kind of shades the hillside from, you know, the moonlight and stuff. And through the wolves eyes, Perrin sees them hunted by children of the light. Several groups of a dozen or more. There's a lot of these dudes um, all in their white cloaks with their lances riding horses. So the wolves stalk and ambush the children, killing many of them or hamstringing their horses. Uh, soon, Perrin and Egwene are discovered by a group of riders. They are told to surrender or die. And just as they walk down the hill and are about to surrender, a wolf named Hopper, who once dreamed he could fly, leaps in and kills a rider before the other riders then kill Hopper with their lances. Perrin is enraged and he dives in, killing two children before he is knocked unconscious. He comes to in the tent of Lord Captain Bornhold, uh, Lord Captain of the Children of the Light. He and Egwene are tied up. The Lord Captain questions them and Perrin makes up a lie that is kind of close to the truth. The Lord Captain demands to know though how they have spoken with a warder at some point and mm-hmm. how they became in league with wolves. He assumes they are dark friends. The Lord Captain doesn't believe Perrin's story and tells them that Egwene may have a chance at living if she tells the truth by the time they reach Camelin. But no matter what he says, Perrin will be executed because Perrin apparently um, killed a couple people when he was real mad. Yeah, these children of the light are the worst. 
yeah they're uh they're, they're the literal worst just awful and they're they're kind of doing that thing that's a bit of a trope it, it's also a bit of a trope in fantasy it's also a bit of a trope in history of the world where people just doing really bad things just kind of use whether it's religion or whether it's some sense of like justice or values that they just kind of like hide behind to justify just a whole bunch of messed up crap that they're doing. Honestly, honestly, scum of the earth. So uncool. These guys are probably getting tortured. Oh, yeah. Or they're going to get hopefully they'll get rescued. But yeah, Um, it took me a really long time. So I was listening to this instead of reading it. He keeps calling the guy um, Child Bar. Mm. Calling him a child. Is he actually a child? It took me a second that that's like his rank. No, they're called. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. They're like they're called their children rank. of the light, but they're all a bunch of children. Gr- they're a bunch of grown Freaking men. acting like children. Tell you right now. Totally acting like children. babies. He's over here like there were 50 wolves and the captain's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> there <laughs> were about 50 wolves. eight wolves. Yeah, there were about six to eight, sir. <laughs> So how sad was it when Hopper died? Dude, devastated. Honestly, <laughs> I was devastated. No wolf cuddles, but a wolf died and a fox died. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Very sad. So yeah, when the wolf jumps in, Perrin gets the sense of this is the wolf's name is Hopper because it always dreamed it could fly and it leaps in heroically to save the day. Why does it have to do that? Feeling like it could fly. Yeah, why does it have to do that? It tears out the like- throat. Yeah, I wish I could fly. Yeah, the freaking precious. Get out of here. I'm going to jump and take off from the ground again. Oh, I'm dead. I got honestly lanced. Devastated because they didn't have to be cute. They could have just been like, oh, yeah, this this wolf over here is just, you know, it's its name is left ear because it lost an ear one time. And nope, it has to go with a really cute, precious story of that will make us love Hopper right before it dies. Come on now. Yeah, Robert Jordan really decided to just pluck a couple uh, heartstrings right there. Just like, I'm just going to make you feel some things real quick. I'm going to make you feel real sad for this wolf that you just met. I don't know where Elias is. Um, I'm assuming Elias is going to try and save them. They're all going to Camelin, which is fascinating. That's where um, Rain is going. And so I'm hoping hoping, and also where Matt and Rand are going. So I'm assuming there's probably going to be a little bit of a reunion. Camelin. I think so. Uh-huh. Are, are the traveling people heading to Camelin? No, 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 were. no. Just the the um, children of the light are going to Camelin, and yes. then Rand and Matt are going to Camelin, and Maureen and Nyan, and then Lan are going to Camelin. Okay, yeah, everyone's no, going yeah. to Camelin. Yes, thankfully, hopefully, they're all going to get back together. Hopefully. Be a real bummer if we have all this now connection to parent and they're just like the uh, children of the light are like, yep, and you're dead. That would be devastating. Make That'd me hate him even more. These guys are the worst for so many reasons. Number one, I hate a um hate a cult like this. A what's called what what, what did I call it a few ago? A mili- militar militant cult. Hate them. Mm-hmm. Hate them. Garbage. Scum of the earth. No 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 no. And I hate them. And I want only evil for them. I wanted more horses to be hamstring. I wanted more people to die. I cannot handle this group of people. Um, the fact that they're ho- they hogtied Egwene and Perrin, and hogtied meaning they have hands, wrists, and then like they tied them together so they can't even like 
yeah. sit up all the way. Yeah. Vile thing to do to somebody else. It's very messed up. It's awful. It's it's very, very messed up. Um, and the yeah, the children of light like attack them like they're hunting them. Honestly, and why? Why? Like, why? I mean, they're people are afraid of wolves, so it's just. Yeah, but they didn't know that they had wolves with them other than I mean, I guess if Hopper had kept cool, then I guess whatever. But even then, like. They're well, just the making wolves, an assumption. Been, yeah, well, Elias and the wolves have been stalking these guys and like killing a bunch of them. And Elias, it, it talks about like Elias killing people too. Like Perrin can like sense what he's doing also. So the wolves and Elias were all just, they, they were going, you know, fighting back against these children of the light. But I definitely got the sense that these, you know, children of the light were just like marching <laughs> around on their horses trying to kill wolves. And so these, these guys, they're like, Oh, well, you must be dark friends. Also dumbest name, but you must be dark friends. You must be in league with these people. I'm like, that's a that's a big leap to make. It's true, but it's a big leap to make. You don't know. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, I I kind of got the sense that the Children of the Light maybe know who Elias is or they've encountered more wolf speakers before. These guys just feel like witch hunters. Yeah, they everyone. They're, they're kind of like, just witch hunters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. These guys are the worst. Also, take picks up the act and just like beats Perrin and Egwene with it. Seriously, seriously, come on, guys. So uncool. I know. I I hope they can get out of this sticky situation quickly because they're beating up our our Perrin and our Egwene. We love these people. Yeah. I hate them. I hate them. And I'm I don't want. I I know that most likely this is a really long series. We're going to see a lot more Children of the Light. We're probably going to have some of them that are like humanized and are probably brainwashed and whatever. But you know what? Right now, hate them. Scum of the earth, absolute dirt. Want nothing but evil. Bring back the Raven. Get him. <laughs> Kill, maim, burn. That's the one. I think that's a Warhammer thing. Anyway. Yeah. All right, so should we go to our uh, our fun segments? Yeah, let's do it. <clears throat> okay, let's let's hop over there. So we kind of shared the the quotes that we really liked the most. Yep. Um, let's talk a little bit about the biggest feels we had. I was feeling really sad when it came to the wolves dying. I did not was not a fan of that. Yep. Um, I was feeling very frustrated as always with Nynaeve and her attitude. What, um, what about Tom? I was devastated with Tom. He was a problematic fave. And so I really, I really enjoyed him. Yeah, I know he's so not sad. dead, but like, I don't want him to be near those fades. He probably now smells like terrible farts and graveyard dirt. That's never a good sign. No, that's not good. Also, he might actually be dead. I know that. Sorry, not to be a real Matt in this situation. but Yeah, seriously. Where's your dagger, Matt? Like, come on. Yeah, precious. <laughs> Pretty dagger. And then a lot of different intense emotion from Perrin where you know the just the terrifying unkindness of ravens just pecking things apart literally and then yeah him contemplating yeah killing his friend which we which we talked about a lot but but talk about a just bundle of heavy heavy emotion totally. that that would bring where like you're prepared to do something so horrible and evil you know, to spare a friend from pain mm -hmm. and it'd be kind of a selfless act. And it's just so he's so broken up about it. And I'm really glad that Elias was able to basically read his mind and know what was bothering him so much, because mm -hmm. I think that's helping him, I agree. helping him get out of it. Perrin just feels like very much of a 
I'm going to keep all my feelings close to the vest. And so it's been good that Elias is there because then her doesn't need to share those feelings. Someone can just read them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm for sure shipping Heron and Egwene. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I like that. Yep. And then we're for sure also shipping um, Lan and Nynaeve. You mean Lanive? Lanive. Oh, so what's Perrin and Egwene? Pugwane? <laughs> yeah. Pugwaren? <laughs> That's actually way more fun, but <laughs> so weird. <laughs> Pugwaren. Pugwaren and Lanive. I think so too. How about I'm going to ship the Ravens and Fire? <laughs> Oh, that's um, you actually stole that for me because I was going to ship the children of the light and a funeral pyre. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, a, and, a deep, and a deep ditch in the ground <laughs> filled with fire <laughs> and, snakes. and snakes and spikes. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to ship the fades and the children of the light. So oh, I like that one <laughs> because you got the black cloaks and the white cloaks and they can just. Have a lot of fun. You know, fun. they should just finish themselves off. Leave us all alone. Oh, for the that'd month. be great. That'd be great. That would just solve the problems. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm also going to ship the Trollic particles and the Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> As the Ravens fly around, they like swallow some. <laughs> they swallow some Trollic particles. Trollic particles and the Ravens. <laughs> I got one of the Trollics stuck in my beak. Um, I'm still really going to ship the funeral pyre and the <laughs> children of the light. I just feel like that 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. I am absolutely on board. Yeah. Who leveled, leveled up? I don't um, know. Who, who did level up? I don't know. Honestly. I mean, I think like we got the most growth from Perrin. So mm-hmm. I think he leveled up, you know, mentally and emotionally, and he's definitely growing a lot here and he's going through some like really serious turmoil He's not leveling up in your classic RPG way where he's like defeating enemies and stuff. He's more just like, you know, on one hand, learning to survive and on another hand, learning right from wrong. And so I definitely think we're getting a lot of growth from Perrin. Mm -hmm. I do think he's also like slowly accepting his ability as like a wolf feeler. Or oh yeah, wolf speaker, wolf mind reader, and so yeah, absolutely. Perrin, the main person I can think of. Can you think of anybody else that may have also kind of leveled up? I mean, I think Elias is already a level ten boss, but oh, oh, he definitely is. He's scary. He is scary. I love him. Yeah, he's scary and cool. I don't know if he leveled up. I feel like he's just doing his Elias thing. Kind of feels like Moraine a little bit in that way. That like she's not necessarily leveling up. She just like shows how freaking badass she is. She's just showing more of her levels. Totally. How she got how she all of her like levels down. Yeah. So they're both. I agree. They're both high level gnarly people. Anything for psych uh, for psychoanalysis? No, nothing in particular. I mean, we we already talked about like the effects of prejudice um, and there's a lot of like. There's a lot of that as a theme in here and how that affects people, but I think we kind of talked about that um, this episode already. I definitely think there is parent is traumatized just by his thought of mm-hmm. killing Egwene to spare her. So like just to use like psychology terminology there, that is a absolutely traumatic thing that he's having a real hard time moving past. Yeah. And definitely a thing that I think he's thankfully going to grow from. Yeah. Um, especially because he has a great conversation, gets a little counseling from Elias. I, I like that though, too, because I think that tradition, traditionally in a lot of like fantasy novels, like the, the guy that is, 
the big strong dude that's also a blacksmith is also normally can be pretty violent. Mm-hmm. And I like that we're seeing kind of a different side of that trope. Of like, hey, just because you're big and strong and you look that part and you're a blacksmith doesn't make you a monster. Like, kind, yeah. gentle, and, you know, Perrin is apparently super light on his feet. He's an excellent dancer. Oh, by the way, we didn't even talk about Egwene asking Perrin to, like, dance with her at the freaking summer festival or whatever. Dead. Ship it. Yeah, that was really cute. Bring on the romance. I'm ready for it. Yeah, we also forgot to ship Perrin and all the pretty girls that just that 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 tease him. (laughs) Poor guy. Nobody feels bad for him, though. No, I don't feel bad for him. Nobody, nobody feels bad for him. And the girls feel bad for him either. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Everyone's everyone's laughing at Perrin. The funny thing is he knows everyone was like staring and kind of giggling at him because he's this like big old handsome dude with like a super red face. He's just like, like, stop it. (laughs) You're also attractive. Stop it. (laughs) It's a a cute moment. Um, And then, yeah, we've got some, we've got some predictions. So I'm going to kind of read off some of your predictions, Taylor. Okay. Hit me. So the eyes that I are secretly breeding the men who can channel the one power. I still think that's the thing. It's I, sinis- it's sinister. It's disgusting. I'm here for it. I'm on board with it. Yeah. No, oh, that's something the, gross. <laughs> they're the stallions that need to be bred because they're broken you know, and then bred. Broken and then bred. Yeah. Ooh. Totally. They need to be gentled and then bred. The fact that that's what it's called. Like, obviously. I mean, that that gentling is not something good. Like, we all, we can all agree on that. If you come to someone, you're like, I need to gentle you. You're like, mm, step off. <laughs> yeah, no, it gives me real creepy vibes. Oh, yeah. So uh, the next prediction is that Tom isn't actually dead. Yeah, because leaning hard on them. Yeah, we didn't see a body. So I agree. If you've ever seen a movie <laughs> like that, you're probably right. Or a show. The rumors are most likely not true. They're probably not dead. <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah. believe any of the rumors. I agree. Uh, but he might smell like farts and graveyard dirt. I think that actually should be one of our our rules for fantasy is pick or didn't happen. If you do not see the body, <laughs> if you do not see it with your own eyeballs, pick or didn't happen, probably did not get killed. That took me a second to catch on to. Um, okay, next prediction is that Perrin is learning to be a leader or even maybe a king of some kind. So this is him on his king journey, you said. And then next is that Matt, very opposite, is on a Gollum journey. <laughs> you know, I hope that's not true. I hope he just doesn't turn into Gollum and tr- move to wearing a loincloth and hobble around with pale skin and eat raw fish. Hard pass. Yeah, but at least he gets good at riddles. Small comfort. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I have another prediction, probably right around for like the next couple of chapters. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more beatings from the Children of the Light. Ugh, don't like that. I think prediction. that's probably a probably a given. I I doubt that they're going to not rescue Perrin and Egwene. Like, there's no way that they're not going to rescue Perrin and Egwene. So Elias and the wolves will rescue them. They might try, but I think that Moraine and Lan, are, they all, when they all meet up in Camelin, I think that they're going to do a rescue. 
So who do you think it's going to be then? Okay, you got to make your prediction. Is it Lan and Moraine are going to ultimately rescue them or Elias and the wolves are going to rescue them? Lan and Moraine are going to rescue Egwene and Perrin. Okay. Yep, that's what I think is going to do it. All right, writing it down. Canon. I think Nynaeve's going to get only worse and worse. Yeah, I think those are the fun things. I'm excited for this next set of chapters because I feel like we've been building up a lot of things. You know, everyone's kind of meeting in one central location, which is... I don't know how big Camelin is. I feel like we've literally been like moving from town to town in like changes in sizes. Mm-hmm. Like we have like the two rivers, which is like three shops. Right. And then we had whatever that weird river town was that was like definitely bigger. Mm-hmm. And then we had the really big broken city and I don't know, Shaw Ghoul or something. Mm-hmm. And then we had Shadar Logoth. We also, Shadar Logoth. Tar- Tarn Ferry was the place. Tarn Ferry. And then we had Balon, and then we had Whitebridge, and now we're got going to Camelin. I think Camelin's like a big, big boy before we get to Tarbalan, which is a big, big, big boy. Yeah, and Camelin is also uh, the home of the local queen. So whoever the the queen of this like you know kingdom is, or queen. I bet you that queendom. one's old. Not probably like probably not Queen Elizabeth old because she's dead may now. She, may she rest in peace. <laughs> R.A.P. Okay. You're feeling old queen. You're not feeling like Joff- Joffrey vibes, <laughs> like child king. Oh my God. All right, we won't get started on that. We're going to wrap There's up the episode. Joffrey in this book. Freaking out. Yeah, like, we're done. We're done. Podcast we're done. over. Book burned. <laughs> <laughs> no ship. Joffrey in the funeral pyre alongside the white cloaks. <laughs> yeah. Not the white cloaks. I'm sorry. The... um. Yeah, the children of the, the light. The children of the light. <laughs> wrong, right wrong fantasy. You're, we're we're crossing our wires. They had white. They had white cloaks too. Though. So Taylor, are we gonna read another six chapters? Yeah, I'm thinking we do 31 through 36. Yeah, I'm down with that. I'm looking at the pages, and that's that's about perfect. Cool. So let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. Thank- um. So if you are reading along with us, please go ahead and read chapters 31 through 36. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of The Dragon Dissected. If you'd like to support the work we're doing, please leave a like or review in your podcast app. You can also keep up with everything I'm doing at my website, jakestoll.com. And we want to hear from you. Please connect with us on Instagram at dragon underscore dissected pod or email us at dragondissected at gmail.com. Share overall thoughts on book one or just these chapters. That'll wrap up this episode. Time to get out here and uh, well, let me, let me read Lord you. Almighty, what was that? I don't know. I'm reading the outline for the first chapter. <laughs> what a, what a, it's late. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, yeah. Thanks, everybody. That'll that'll wrap up this episode. Peace. Thanks, everyone.